The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is a real treat. Uh, Terry Savage is a real personal finance expert. Uh, she's a columnist for the Chicago uh, Sun-Times, nationally syndicated. Uh, she's uh, a contributor to thestreet.com. Uh, she's the author of three best-selling books, and she has just come out with a new version of her book called The New Savage Number, uh, How Much Money Do You Really Need to Retire? Welcome to the show, Terry. Very glad to be with you, Jordan. Um, not that everybody in the world doesn't know about you, but just in case, for the people who might not, just give a little bit more background on uh, what you've done in the whole personal finance field and how you got to, to wanting to write this particular book. Well, it's funny. I started a long, long time ago now, which gives me um, perspective and experience. But I started out um, as the first woman trader, founding member of the Chicago Board Options Exchange. I'd been a stockbroker, saved up all my money to buy a seat when the exchange opened. I quickly found out that my gift was not in trading but in investing and uh, in explaining. So I spent a long, long time on television in Chicago every day explaining what was going on, not only in the markets, but personal finance, interest rates, savings, and so forth. That led to my newspaper column and my books, and and um, I've been talking about money ever since. Very good. Let's just kind of set the scene as far as retirement is concerned. Um, Americans are living longer, uh, not saving enough. What, what does the future look like uh, for retirement in this country based on what the amount that people have saved so far? Our own individual retirement depends entirely on what we decide to do now. Therefore, this book. People were, five years ago, were telling me that they were planning to retire early. Oh, I think I'll just retire at 60, maybe 61. And they knew that their house value would go up forever. Their stock market uh, investments would go up forever. And I, I wanted to tell people, wait a minute, you've got to do some better planning than believing that either this, these markets will go up or the government will take care of you. Now it's very clear. The markets aren't going straight up, and the government is tapped out. So the individual retirement you or I have depends on what we do now. And my message is, by the way, it's never too late. Now, you talk about the savage number. We're going to get into this in some detail, but what do you mean by the savage number? Well, not only is it a nice play on my name, Terry Savage, <laughs> but, you know, it has a kind of a double entendre. Look, each person has a different number. We all talk about what's the number, and most people guess at it. Gee, if I had a million dollars, I think I'd be okay, or someone who has a, a higher lifestyle, gee, if I had $10 million. And I know there are people listening who are saying, what are you talking about, millions? If I had maybe fifty or seventy-five or a hundred thousand saved, I'd feel a lot better about going into retirement. So it's not a magic number; it is your number, the number that gives you some flexibility in retirement to lead a lifestyle that's above what Social Security can pay for. And it depends on what kind of lifestyle you've been leading and what kind of lifestyle you want to leave, and how much self-discipline you have about putting money aside to reach that goal. Let's talk a little bit about the coming demographics. Uh, you have a chart about uh, the projected changes in population by age group over the next 30 years or so. 
Tell us what that's telling us about the way the population is going to be changing in, in coming years. Well, in my speeches, I use a cartoon that Allstate gave me permission to use. I think one picture says it all. It's a happy birthday, happy 100th birthday card. And it, and it says, last year, Hallmark sold 85,000 happy 100th birthday cards. Think about that. 85,000 happy 100th birthday cards. Now, I, I thought about, I did think about it for a while. I realized that once you get to be 100, you probably have lots of children and great-grandchildren and so forth, so you get a lot of cards because at that age, what else are they going to get you? But even so, the population over 100 is growing, and the age 85 and older group is gro- the fastest-growing segment of the population. What it means is, Jordan, we're teeing ourselves up for generation warfare. The baby boomers have the votes. They have the power to demand the benefits that they've been promised, but we will do so not at the risk of future generations, but of our own children. Right now, coming up, because the government can't keep printing money, nobody will want it, that's inflation. You may not be able to keep borrowing it if our uh, neighbors, the Chinese and Japanese, aren't willing to lend it to us. And the question is, can they tax it away from our kids who are now working just at the time when they're trying to put money away for their own retirement and send our grandchildren to college? So we are reaching the breaking point. We can't put this burden on anyone else, and that's why it's so important to start planning now. You have another chart showing the percentage of income tax revenues that are going to be needed in coming years to pay for the short the, the uh, payroll tax shortfall on both Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. What is the story coming from that kind of chart? Now, now this is really interesting. Um, people go, oh, my God, don't touch my benefits, don't touch my benefits. But the fact of the matter is that... All of the money now being used to pay Social Security and Medicare benefits is not coming from some trust fund that we've set aside that used to be the old fiction. You know, if you believe in the fact there's a trust fund, you, you probably still believe there's a tooth fairy. The fact is that all the money coming in to Social Security, the money coming out of your paycheck today if you're working, goes into the general funds of the government. And this year there'll be a $1.8 trillion budget deficit. So the money that's coming in, from the young workers today is going to pay my mother her check next month. Well, we're reaching the point where in just 20 years, nearly half the money that comes in from taxes in the government, all the revenues will be used to pay benefits that we've already promised to Social Security and Medicare. 30 years from now, you know, we hope we'll still be alive and probably collecting, two-thirds of every dollar the government takes in in revenues, all kinds of tax revenues, will go to pay benefits we've promised for Social Security and Medicare. That doesn't include um, interest on the national debt or national defense or roads or schools or any of the other things you might want the federal government to do. We're boxed in. So, so what's going to happen? I mean, it, can it go to 50% and, and more, or is something going to break at that point? Well, well, you know, when John F. Kennedy became president, just as to prove this is not a political argument, because... Those younger folks may not remember that Kennedy was a Democrat, but when Kennedy came in, the top personal tax rate was 91%. And Kennedy, you think Reagan cutting taxes, but Kennedy was the biggest tax cutter of all. He cut the top bracket down to 70%. He cut corporate tax rates. And it was John F. Kennedy who said, paradoxically, the way to raise more tax revenues is to cut tax rates. You know, this is a universal truth. It's not political. In government, we see a huge grab going on now for more government control over everything we do, uh, everything the economy does. That's not the way our, an economy prospers. That's, that's what drove the old Soviet Union into the ground, you know, government's five-year plan. But we've so, made these commitments. We've made these commitments we've for made Medicare these commitments, and Social so Security. So the only way out of them is to grow out of them. Okay? We, 
American, the American economy has an incredible ability to grow. Uh, let me just take you back th- almost 30 years to 1981-82, that horrendous recession where inflation was double digits. Uh, the prime rate was 21%, and Volcker did that in an attempt to quell inflation. Unemployment was nearly 12%. That was the official figure, much higher in places like the steel mill areas of Gary and auto industries of Detroit. And, um, and the Dow was under 800 now, if you had told someone back in 1982 that in the next 20 years we're going to have a new technology boom, we will have incredible prosperity, the Dow will reach 14,000, they would have put you in the insane asylum. But I'm sitting here saying nobody would have thought of it then, and it happened. And right now as we sit here in the doldrums with rising unemployment and problems with old-line companies, it's entirely possible that somewhere right around the corner is some nanotechnology, some new energy kind of a... Of a an instrument that will absolutely change the dynamics. It will probably happen in America, and it will ignite another burst of growth because it always has. That's Without what that, that's, for. so that sounds very hopeful, but if that doesn't happen, <laughs> then what happens to Medicare and Social Security? Well, then we have some kind of rationing, and that, that's what's so critical. We either tax our younger generation into a rebellion, which will be a rebellion more, you know, it will be a division in America more severe than even the North versus the South or slave is free or blue states and red states. It will pit older people with more votes against younger people who are paying taxes while older people collect benefits. It will be a sorry state. Um, But eventually it would require rationing of some sort of health care. For sure it will require rationing of nursing home beds. You don't think that the government is going to be able to provide for you. you know, look, the baby boomers went to school, and the next thing you know, we had modular classrooms outside of the schools. We were bursting at the seams. We will now have modular nursing home rooms. I mean, I think the old FEMA trailers, I'm, I'm not joking about this, may get put outside of uh, care facilities to house old and infirm seniors who can't afford to pay for care. Yeah. So it's, that would be a dire picture. So the alternative is to do something now to, to let the economy grow and spring forth with great new ideas that, that's always been our saving grace in America. Now you talk about one likely solution for the individuals if you're not counting on Social Security and Medicare, which is what you call retro retirement. What do you mean by yeah. that? Well, what I mean is in the olden days, w- people retired at 65. They could look forward to living another three or four years. They got a pension check from work and they got, um, and they lived, you know, and, and probably just lasted as long as they could and that they didn't run out of money. Now we don't have pension checks that last your lifetime unless you use some of your money to buy an annuity, and now you're going to live much longer. So we have to change our view of retirement as 30 years sitting on a beach or at the edge of a golf course. You'd be bored stiff anyway having worked all your life. We're going to go back to the idea that you work up until somewhat nearer the end. In other words, you may work far past 65, maybe not at your current job, but at a side business, something that keeps bringing in cash so you can defer withdrawing cash unless except for the minimum required, from your retirement account and let it keep growing. So it'll be more like the older the olden times, this is my grandparents' generation, when you worked pretty long into your lifetime, as opposed to expecting, you know, thirty years on the golf course. To some extent we're seeing this today in Europe and Japan, which have like Germany and Italy, which have much older populations. What can we learn from what's happening uh, in Germany and Japan and places with older populations about the, how these things you're talking about are, are actually happening today? Well, some very interesting things. Big difference between Germany and Japan. Japan is a closed society with a tradition of respect for its elders. 
but they don't have uh, quite the standard of living expectations we do. So they're dealing with it, even though it's not pleasant, and that economy's been in the doldrums for 10 or 15 years. Germany faces a slightly different problem. It has a huge influx of an immigrant population, which is younger. And the debate is, well, we don't want these immigrants here, kind of the debate that's beginning in America, but they're the ones doing the work and keeping the economy growing and providing the benefits that the state gives to its retired people. So there are all kinds of social consequences to the decisions we make. I, I, I ran into Lou Dobbs in the hallway at, at uh, CNN about two years ago, and I said to him, listen, Lou, I know your stance on immigration, but i got news for you. Who's going to be around to change the bedpans in the nursing home if we don't allow people who really want to work to come to America, who have always started out doing the most menial jobs, I mean, for the last 150 years, and, and let them work their way up and do those jobs because we're going to be a nation of old people. And we either have to start having more children, which is expensive and frightening when you think about college, or letting people into the country who are willing to do the work that Americans don't do. Did the Dobbs agree with you? What, how did he think that? He looked at me. He was shocked. <laughs> he was shocked. I said, you know, I know you have long-term care insurance. I'm sure you do and plenty of money. But think about all the seniors who are going to be needing help and assistance and if we close the doors now on the people that, I'm not talking about the people that want to come over here and do drug dealings. I'm talking about the people who have for centuries come to America as a land of opportunity, a chance to get started, and worked for really a pittance. Now, I don't want them to come illegally, but, but we have to think about the consequences, the big consequences of decisions we take today. Germany and Japan are, are pretty good examples of countries that are, you know, that are having to face the fact that no young people coming into Japan Oh, that's a problem. How do we support our old people? We're having a, they're having a declining standard of living. Germany could keep its economy booming, but it has all these guest workers, which is causing a lot of social disruption. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Terry Savage, uh, whose new book is called The New Savage Number, How Much Money Do You Really Need to Retire? And we're going to get into this in much more detail after the break. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Mark of the Fraud by Royd Head. Hear more at don'tbeanasterisk.com. Brought to you by Ad Council and the U.S. Olympic Committee. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Terry Savage, uh, who's come out with a new book called The New Savage Number, How Much Money Do You Really Need to Retire? Uh, She also has a website, which is terrysavage.com. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Glad to be with you, Jordan. Uh, Tell people, by the way, what some of the things they can get at terrysavage.com. Well, at terrysavage.com, you can read my... The first thing that will happen is there's a little pop-up box. If you gave me your name and your email, which I will guard carefully, you'll get a return thank you email that lets you print out as many copies as you want of my personal financial organizer form. So you fill it out, and um, you don't have to tell your kids where everything is, but you have to fill out the form so if you were hit by the proverbial truck, they would know that under your socks in your top right-hand drawer is a list of your bank accounts, your brokerage accounts, your insurance policies, where your will and so forth are. So it's a very handy thing, and when you sign up, you'll get an email giving you a link to that and putting you on my list. Every once in a while, the papers don't give me enough room to write what I really think, so I send out sort of a newsletter. Great. And um, you can read my columns there, my website for the week, and I'll be reviewing your upcoming book, Jordan, as well. We, <laughs> the world should know that we're we're old friends. We're old and we're friends for a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, you have a chapter called Time is Money. What do people not realize about the value of compounding and, and how letting time goes by, going you, by really hurts you? You know, it only becomes apparent in hindsight. And how many times have you, if you're what I call a grown-up, that's someone over 50, said to yourself, if only I had known, if only I had started earlier. Well, please take that, if only, and hand that chapter to someone in their 20s and 30s. In all my books, I talk about the importance of just having a little bit of money put away on a regular basis. Um, I tell the story of Tom and Mary, who both started work at age 25, and were asked if they wanted to sign up for the company retirement plan. Mary said, sure. And she put away $200 a month for the next 40 years, a total of $96,000, and I gave her an average return of 9%. So at retirement, her account was worth about $850,000. But Tom, at age 25, when they came around, said, you want to sign up? 
huh, are you kidding? I can't afford $200 a month. I'm dating. I'm single. And pretty soon he was married, and then he had a house and kids, and he could never find the money to save at age 45. He ran into Mary and said, gee, I'm going to play catch-up. If you've been saving, I better start thinking about it. So he put away $400 a month, twice what Mary had, same total, $96,000, same investment return, 9%. But at retirement, while Mary had 850000 at age 65, Tom had only a little over 250000 And in fact, if, Tom had, if Mary had stopped saving when Tom started, she'd still have nearly twice as much as Tom. That's the value of a little bit of money starting early and compounding over time. And especially when you can expect that kind of investment return, because historically, that's what the market's given you. And by the way, I'm sorry to say this to you, Jordan, but in my stories, the woman is always the smart investor. That's good. <laughs> what is your sense of young people today? Are they getting that message? Are they yeah. investing more or, or less? I think it's amazing. They were beginning to get the message because they were as profit-motivated as anyone else, and they saw the stock market go up. Oh, they saw the tech crash, but they understood that. So then they got started again after 2000, and then they've been really devastated in the last year. So you find that a lot of young people were starting to invest, were thinking about it, and now they're walking into the company retirement plan saying, I saw real money that I earned that I didn't take. I didn't spend it on a new car or clothes or whatever. I put it in the plan. I did what you told me to, and it disappeared. And now this lesson has been a very wrong one. They're saying, I'm not doing that again. I'm not a sucker. Wall Street took my money away. You know, so they're missing out on what might, in hindsight, be one of the great buying opportunities. And I said that all last winter. You know, the market's up 50% from its low. Yeah. Okay, you have what you call 10 key questions uh, that people should ask about all these things. So let's just start with some briefly. The first one is, how long will I live? What, what's realistic in, in planning for okay, that? Okay, so isn't this like the most basic question and also the most unknowable question? I mean, if you were God and, or God could tell you, you know, you're going to die at 71, and you, you know, you, you might stop work now and say, I've got enough money. But you don't know. We can get the statistics, the average life expectancy. I'm going to do something even better for you. And uh, this is a website that's in the book. So grab a glass of wine tonight and sit down at the computer and go to this website, livingto100.com, livingto and then the number 100.com. And you're going to fill out the quiz there. It's just something you take. Nobody's you know, uh, looking over your shoulder. And you fill in information, how old you are now, how old your siblings are, how old are your parents, or if they've gone on ahead, how old were they when they passed on. And then a lot of things about your lifestyle and habits, things like how many times a day you eat green vegetables and fruit, how many times a week you exercise, whether you wear your seatbelt every time you get in the car, that's a big one. Um, one of my favorite ones was do you floss your teeth every day. I used to use that as a laugh line in my speeches until I spoke to the American Dental Association and everybody sat there going, oh, yeah, you have to floss your teeth. If you don't, you'll have an infection in your gums, and it'll go right to your heart, and you'll die. Floss your teeth. So anyway, all those things matter. <laughs> you fill out that quiz and click, and it will give you your life expectancy based on you. So when I did this, you know, I clicked, and it said 104. Wow. Which was shocking and not particularly good news. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've been planning for a long time, but I never thought about 104. I think all bets are off. So I went back, by the way and was a little more honest about how many times I eat green vegetables, you know, and exercise. And I still came out with 96. Wow. And that's a long time to plan for. Yeah. Then the next thing you say is, what's uh, going to be the impact of inflation 
on your savings. I mean, right now, officially, inflation is pretty much zero. I mean, we're going to get no cost of living increase in Social Security this year at all, so maybe people shouldn't have to worry about inflation. Ha, ha, ha. I say the, the economy is now balanced on a seesaw. We're having deflation, which is why you get no cost of living at the moment, because people are going bankrupt, banks are writing off assets, commercial real estate is yet to come, you know, so the values are going down, and that's deflationary. But on the other hand, the government is printing a ton of money or creating a ton of money and credit. It's pretty much backed up in the banks that aren't lending right now. But the very definition of inflation is excess money creation. And so I think it's reasonable down the road that we could have serious inflation. And, and that's why there's a whole chapter in the book about inflation hedges, because, you know, we plan in dollars. We, the savage number is a dollar number. Your number is a dollar number. And we're going to spend in dollars. But the question is, what will the dollar buy 20 or 25 years down the road? So you have to think about inflation and hedge against the possibility with a portion of your money. Yeah. The next one you think is, can you save enough? I mean, people can get to get discouraged if they see these huge numbers they kind of almost give up, but there's no way I can save enough. What is the answer to well, that? Well, first of all, you need a, real, a realistic look at how much is enough. In the book, I say, it reminds me of my mother who used to say, enough is enough. You know, I, I never knew when you, you could tell when you were getting there with her. Enough is enough, but it's hard when you're talking about how much will you need to save. So there's another great website in the book, and I heartily recommend you go there. Only don't take a glass of wine, take a cup of strong black coffee. And that website is put out, and you know it, Jordan, by the Employee Benefit Research Institute. It's called choosetosave.org, C-H-O-O-S-E-T-O, save.org. And, and, you know, every mutual fund company, insurance company, has these calculators on their website. I particularly like this one. It's called the Ballpark Estimator. And you put in the amount you've saved so far, the percentage of your salary you're saving in your retirement plan, um, what your current salary is, you want to replace what percent at retirement, Maybe not 100%. You won't have commuting expenses or dry cleaning bills, but you will have travel expenses. So you fill in all these blanks, and it will tell you how much more you need to save to maintain that standard of living, taking inflation into account, to have the retirement you want. Or conversely, if this is all you've got, how much longer you have to work in order to get a better chance at reaching your number. Do most people underestimate how much they're going to need? Absolutely, people underestimate how much uh, they're going to need. It, it, the numbers are huge, but they're, but the, the difference, remember we talked about time is money. Once again, time is a more critical factor even than how much money you save. In other words, the whole idea of working maybe three years more and delaying withdrawals for three years has a far greater impact on your retirement lifestyle than even additional savings, which you might not be able to afford. But you need to know this now while you can plan. And then you ask, how much can you withdraw each month without running out of money? Well, that's the critical thing. You see, in, in our parents' generation, they got a pension, and that was going to be a check a month for life. Now, this is a generation that retires with 401K rollovers or, or IRAs. You've been contributing. Now something changes. It's like climbing a mountain. You don't want to get to the peak and then fall down the other side. You hope it's kind of like a permanently high ridge there. But something's different because you're no longer contributing. You can't replace losses in the market. So you have a whole different attitude, number one, about how to invest, and number two, how much you can withdraw so you can make your money last your lifetime. And this is not guesswork, and it's not averages, because real life is never average. There's going to be ups and downs. So there's a whole brand-new concept of retirement withdrawal and income planning that is the centerpiece of this book, 
and please don't laugh when I tell you all out there, it's called Take Your Money to Monte Carlo. It's not gambling. Believe uh, me, it's not. It's we're going to get into Monte Carlo simulations pretty soon. I just want to finish our okay. ten questions here. Uh, what is the biggest danger to your retirement plans? What are some of the things people okay. look for there? You know, you're going to insure against a lot of things. You insure your home against fire, so you don't want to be homeless. You're going to insure your auto so that you, you know, if you, if you get in an accident, you can replace your car. You're going to have liability insurance so, so no one sues you and takes all your money. But the biggest thing that is even more likely than any of those in retirement that could come along and devastate your plans is the need for long-term custodial care. The fact that um, it's extraordinarily expensive now, so I mentioned a little bit earlier, and going to get even more expensive to find someone either to come to your house or for you to live in an assisted uh, living facility and have someone help you do basic things that Medicare and Medicare supplements don't cover, things like bathing or dressing or, you know, feeding yourself. or It's, it's something we don't want to think about. That's, that's the cost. That's the cost that's $8,000 a month now that could go on for years. I mean, think of... My most visible example, in the worst cases, um, you know, think of President Reagan with Alzheimer's. And of course, he had plenty of money to pay for it. But you think how long, you know, that's why they call it the long goodbye, how long that care cost could go on. And if one spouse has it, it's going to drain the family resources, not to mention the energy of the other spouse. So we'll, we'll get into more detail about long-term care insurance, but it certainly makes sense. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Terry Savage, a personal finance expert based in Chicago. Her website is terrysavage.com. Her new book is called The New Savage Number, How Much Money Do You Really Need to Retire? We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Corrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Corrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Mike check, one, two. Big poser coming to you fake yeah. ever. Got no more games since nah. I got with the juice. Uh-uh. No cruising with my friends, they cut me loose. Now my coach is hating, parents keep berating. Good thing my team's still behind me saying. Hey, yo. 
What happened to my teammates, man? Yo! Where y'all at, man? Come on, man. I thought we were family. Ugh, don't be a poser. Hear more at don'tbeanasterisk.com. Brought to you by Ad Council and the U.S. Olympic Committee. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Terry Savage, uh, who is a personal finance expert based in Chicago, a nationally syndicated columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. Her website is terrysavage.com. Her new book is called The New Savage Number, how much money do you really need to retire? Welcome back to the show, Terry. Glad to be with you, as always, Jordan. We were talking about the ten key questions uh, relating to environment, and one of them is how much money can you earn during retirement? As you say, most people just don't go on the golf course and wait it out. Uh, what kind of things are people doing in retirement today to produce significant income? This is going to be the creative part of your life, and everybody's groaning. I am not working one more day at that company. I, you, they will not drag me back in there, and I'm not trying to do that. But you might be a consultant to your company. They'd love your brains, and they could get you off their benefits package because by then you'll have Medicare, right? So they won't have to contribute for you. That's an idea. Consult with your company. There are other talents that you may have outside of anything you ever thought of. What does everybody tell you you're great at? Oh, you're so good with kids. Oh, my gosh, I wish I could do a computer like you. You know, there are going to be lots of seniors who would like you to instruct them in computers or whatever it might be that's your talent. If you're great with kids, maybe it's taking care of other people's children. Now, you don't want to do that six days a week, but a couple of days a week for cash, um, that's not a bad way to, to earn a little bit of extra money. So there would be all kinds of things. I know some older men who are now going on cruises and um, being the guy that dances with everybody. Listen, if you're a single guy and you've got some gray hair and you can dance, you got a great opportunity. <laughs> there, there's all, you know, seniors are going to wind up sharing their homes. You've got a big home. You don't want to sell it. You're in good health, but your husband passed away. Um, there might be a woman, somebody that, you, you know, you don't want to invite a stranger in your home, but through a church group or something like that. Um, and that, that makes it easier for them to live. So we're going to be a very creative generation. The boomers have always been different. And we will be different about earning money in our retirement years. And then you ask, what if you have money left over when you die? What, what is your assumption of what's going to be happening with estate taxes in the long run here? In the very, very short run, my assumption is they are going to come back with a vengeance. You know, they're scheduled to go away uh, next year, and this year is probably the lowest estate tax rate we'll ever see. Next year they're scheduled to go away and be replaced by sort of a um, complicated but a capital gains tax. But I do not see this administration, which is reaching out to grab every single bit of money it can, um, doing anything but bringing back the estate tax. And one other thing, the estate tax is currently low, but used, used to be the state's Individual states coordinated their state taxes with the federal government, but the states are also making a money grab for state taxes. So you may be hit with a double whammy. In Illinois, it's you know fourteen percent on top of the government's. You know, it, it's just huge. So basically, you have to plan for higher estate taxes in the future. We're, we're at the low point now. And, and what you need is, I mean, either you have to plan to spend down your estate so that there's nothing left to tax. That would be nice, or you need some form of money outside your estate so that your heirs don't have to sell the family home or other assets that you might not want to sell. And the way you do that is set up an insurance trust to own, that you can give money to every year for them to pay the premiums, to 
to own the policy on your on your life, and then the trustees, maybe your son and daughter or whomever, can use the liquidity from that to pay the estate taxes so they can keep the house. So you, you know, if you're planning to have some money in your you know in your later years, you really owe it to yourself to look into all these issues now, because life insurance prices are going to go up when everybody realizes they need to own more life insurance in these trusts to pay the rising estate taxes. And besides, you might not be able to afford life insurance or, or qualify for life insurance when you're older. Okay, now we get to your favorite part of this book, which is called Monte Carlo Modeling. Without going to Monte Carlo, why don't you just give us a brief idea of what you have in mind here and how that's helpful in people figuring out what they need for retirement. All right, I'm going to give you a word picture. It's a cartoon that's in the book. It's a picture of a guy standing in the middle of a very deep river, deep, you know, U-shaped river, drowning. And on the edge of the banks of the river, it says, average depth, three feet. Yes, the average depth of that river was three feet, but at the center, it was eight feet deep. He drowned. It was six inches deep at the banks. Real life is never average. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story that will probably explain the need for Monte Carlo modeling. Just take a minute. This story, a true life story about a guy named Sam who back in 1969 retired with $250,000. It was a lot of money. He went to a very good financial planner who did something conservative. He said, you know, if we divide it up, 60% stocks, 30% bonds, you know, AAA-rated bonds, 10% in treasuries, I bet the next 30 years the average return on this portfolio will be somewhere between 10 and 12%. So it was 1969, and through 1999, the average return was, in fact, 11.7%. So the planner was right on. And the planner said to him, Joe, I'll tell you what, we're going to let you do. Every year... At the beginning of the year, you take out 8.5% of the value of your account, and at that rate, you won't run out of money for 30 years. So you're 65 now. 30 years, you'll be 95. If you live that long and you run out of money, you probably won't even notice it. You know, you'll be so old. So that's what Joe started doing, taking money out at that average rate of 8%, getting that average portfolio return. But in real life, if you remember back, in the early 80s, we in, we in the early 70s, actually, the Dow went from over 1,000 to below 600. And the Dow stayed around the 7-800 level throughout the 70s. It was still under 800 in 1982. So then we had that big boom of a bull market that took it up to 14,000. But because Joe was taking out 8.5% a year, and the first years were those bad years where the Dow was down and stayed down around the 800 level, he actually ran out of money in 11 years. He didn't get to stretch it out over 30 years. It's a story that proves that real life is never average. It's the danger of averages. So how do people go about doing a Monte Carlo model uh, okay. to figure out what's appropriate for them as to how much they can be withdrawing? So Monte Carlo modeling got its name back when they were doing statistical modeling for the atom bomb. That's all you need to know. It's really interesting. It's done by a computer with with a program that's much bigger than what you could put on your desktop or laptop or even really download on the Internet. But all the big financial services firms take a look at historical returns uh, for various periods of time, and they run thousands and thousands of what they call scenarios. So they can see what happens in the worst cases. Obviously, they didn't quite plan for the very worst case this time around. It was so unique. And in the best cases. And they give you probabilities of succeeding in managing to make your money last as long as your lifetime, depending on various investment strategies. But you can go to T. Rowe Price. They're experts on Monte Carlo modeling and Fidelity and Vanguard. And they each have a different name for it. 
But you can say, do you use Monte Carlo, or Vanguard calls it time pathing. It's, in other words, it's not just saying, I'm retired, I have a million dollars. If I only take out $50,000 a year and I earn 5% a year on my money, how long will it last? You can't do that because you don't have the range of probabilities that they can do on their computers. There's a specific website you talk about here uh, that people can go to at least estimate Monte Carlo. What, tell us about what's at that website. Financial Engines? Uh, well, toolsformoney.com. Is oh, oh, okay. So, well, I'll, I'll give you a couple of them. On the, on the accumulation side, um, when you're younger and you're accumulating money, the guy that really, really popularized all this Monte Carlo actually won a Nobel Prize for something called Modern Portfolio Theory is Dr. William Sharp. And he offers a tool called Financial Engines. It's used by about 80% of the top Fortune 100 companies to help their employees make decisions about how to allocate their funds inside their 401k plans. They have been very nice to me, Dr. Sharp. I've known for a long time, and he helped, I mean, his people helped me with this book and the Monte Carlo description. And so if you go to my website, terrysavage.com, they don't offer it to individuals, but they do give you a free one-year trial. If you click on the box marked Financial Engines right at the center of terrysavage.com. So there's a chance for you to fool around with it. If you work for a company that had the tool, they would put all their funds in that are the choices in their plan, and you would get individualized, personalized advice and some sliders to move to see how if you change your allocation, things are likely to work out. So go to terrysavage.com and click on Financial Engines. And then there's another really neat guy. Uh, who's created a kind of a tool very much like choosetosave.org. If you want to do some do-it-yourself Monte Carlo, a toolsformoney.com, um, a guy named Mike Fulford worked on a, a tool that would really help people figure, do this kind of Monte Carlo themselves. I, I, I recommend that you get some advice, but if you want to fool around with it yourself, toolsformoney.com. Very good. But you then go through in the book many, many different other investment possibilities. I just want to pick on a few of them here. You talk about uh, re- uh, reverse mortgages, which are becoming more popular these days. In general, do you think it is a good idea for somebody over 62 to do a reverse mortgage? Well, let me put it this way. I always try to give people advice that I would take myself or offer to my family. About eight, nine years ago, I got my own father a reverse mortgage. But having said that, let me... Let's clarify about who it works for and who it won't work for. I think it's a great idea in concept and in principle. Many times it will just save your parents' lives. Now, and you know, of course, I could have given my dad a check every month, but he's a very proud guy and he worked until he was eighty and and needed more money. And you know, a reverse mortgage when you're older and you're healthy, and I'm knocking on wood, and you you know want to stay in my dad in his beachfront condo, walking on the beach every day. So the idea of a reverse mortgage is that you can take out the money you've put in tax-free, either in the form of a monthly check or a lump sum. Now, the older you are, the less your life expectancy, so the more money you would get on a monthly basis or even as a lump sum. And there are some some limits on how much you can pull out, um, some federal limits on how much of a reverse mortgage you can do. The one thing seniors worry about is, oh, yeah, I'm taking this money out now, but then what happens if I, quote, run out? And the idea, as I always say to my dad, is, Dad, please live to 100, because you're going to keep getting that monthly check every month, and you're going to beat them out of a lot of money, because they do life expectancies that are much shorter than what I hope yours will be. So the idea is they look at the value of your home, they look at the level of interest rates in your age, 
and determine how much money you can withdraw. And if you want to get a good look, the, the organization for reverse mortgages has a website, reversemortgage.org. And you can go in there and put what state you live in, what your age is, what the value of your house is. This is for people who have basically paid down their mortgage or only have a little bit of mortgage remaining. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Terry Savage of terrysavage.com. Her newest book is called The New Savage Number, How Much Money Do You Really Need to Retire? And we'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Terry Savage, uh, whose new book is called The New Savage Number, how much money do you really need to retire? And she also has a website, terrysavage.com. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Glad to be with you, Jordan. I want to talk about some other uh, important issues in personal finance these days. Let's start with uh, health care. We don't need to get into the politics of it, but uh, it looks like something's going to happen in that area. And, and what do you think is likely to happen, and, and how is that going to change uh, the kind of health insurance people get in the, going uh, forward here? Jordan, I don't have the vaguest idea what's likely to ultimately happen. I have some basic principles in life. That is, anything the government does messes The only thing worse than having a problem is having the government decide it has a solution. It's always more costly. Um, everybody says, well, Medicare works fine. Yeah, but it, look at how much money it's spending. I mean, my mother was sick. She's better now. Uh, we never saw a bill. So if we do get into some kind of serious government uh, medical intervention, you're going to see some kind of rationing, whether it's by age, 
whether it's by waiting, uh, whether it's by price. It, I don't have a good solution for health care, Jordan, but I know it's a huge problem. Okay. Another area is the credit card bill. Now, we have the credit card bill mm-hmm. of rights, uh, which was signed into law in June, uh, fully goes into effect in February. Um, how do you think the banks have been reacting to the spirit of law, and what's going to happen when this law goes into full effect? Well, you know, this is another one of those I can see both sides of this. Uh, we're seeing charge-offs at, at the big lenders, the big credit card issuers, Bank of America, and so forth, going over 10%, sometimes as high as 12%. So we don't want to bail out the banks again. Don't tell me how much money we've put into them already. We don't want to bail them out, so we would like them to make wise decisions about granting credit. So they've been cutting back credit limits. They've been raising fees. But they've also been doing an outrageous kind of a job of trapping people who are already caught in the credit crunch and making them pay. So I think the bill is a good idea. I saw that, of course, we both reported on the fact that getting ahead of the game, they are switching to variable rate cards. They'll go back to annual fee cards because now they have to give more advance notice of um, raising the rates. So the, the only way I tell people is that you can beat the banks on this is to pay off your credit card and then charge 50 75 whatever it is, $100 a month, and pay it off in full. That means they have to pay for a stamp to mail you a bill, and you're using their money for free. But if you owe them money, you, you know, you're, you're trapped. And it's tough because Americans have nearly $1 trillion now revolving on their credit cards, not what's charged every month, but money that is revolving where people are making half of them, only the minimum monthly payment. Right. Right, and I mean, you said pay it off, but if they raised your rate to 29% and your late fee, it's, it's not really something most people are going to be able to do. If they could pay it off, they would have paid it off by now. Exactly, exactly. But, but don't forget, I've been saying this for years and years. And uh, in the old days, it was doable because if you just double the minimum monthly payment and never charged another penny, no matter what your balance was, you would be out of debt in less than three years. But now that it's a 30% interest rate, you, you know, the, it, I, I think something needs to be done. Another area, you talk about the government taking things over, the student loan area, where it looks like uh, the Department of Education is going to basically be the student lender and the private lenders are going to be pretty much put out of business. What, what do you think of the changes in student loans? Well, I think that's one step, but again, I'm never very sure that government's efficient at anything it does, but what you are doing is cutting out a big profit center for some of those companies and some huge, you know, don't forget, all those companies made huge contributions to the politicians to keep this thing going for a long time. I'm going to take a different approach on student loans. I'm going to say, ask yourself, is it worth it? Yes, a college education is worth it. But is the debt worth it? I wrote a column recently, you'll find it up at terrysavage.com, saying colleges are going to have to start understanding that just like businesses, they're going to have to cut back. They're going to not have to pay tenured professors who don't teach. They're going to, I mean, I understand colleges have buildings they have to heat and, and expenses. But families are going to have to start rebelling and saying, honey, to your daughter or son, you're going to live at home for two years, you're going to go to junior college, or you're going to complete college in three years by going through summer school. Parents are going to have to start saying, I can't afford it, because you don't want to burden your kids with this kind of debt, and you don't want to destroy your own retirement, because even though you've got smart kids who do get jobs when they graduate, they're not going to take care of you in their old age. Another area is housing. Uh, we've got this $8,000 tax credit, which is supposed to run out at the end of November. Uh, do you think that might be uh, renewed and expanded as the uh, realtors want? And, and uh, if, if it, that does not happen, what's going to happen to the housing market? 
Well, you know, I always have to ask this question. I thought it was really interesting that auto sales picked up when you get cash for clunkers. But honestly, I'm not sure that I want my tax dollars, frankly, to support someone else getting a new car, even though it does clean up the environment and put people in the auto industry back to work. The same thing is with this this tax credit. You know, America, housing is very important in America, but we distort our economic model by giving subsidies on the backs of people who do pay taxes to people who couldn't otherwise afford homes, whether it was because Fannie and Freddie subsidized with low interest rate mortgages or no down payment mortgages or whether you give a tax credit. I understand the desire to get the economy going, but these things don't come without their own costs, both in money spent by the federal government and um, and a certain kind of selfishness on the part of the rest of the population, which is justified in saying, wait, I saved and made my own down payment. Why are we giving my tax dollars to someone else so they can? So you're not a big in favor of the entire stimulus program, it sounds like. Uh, I wasn't when it came out. Yeah. I absolutely wasn't when it came out. Um, I think what we need is economic growth, because only a growing economy can help the people that truly need help. So where is the growth going to come from? I mean, the companies are cutting back. We've seen continued layoffs. We've seen unemployment rising. We've seen the states cutting back dramatically because of you know budget deficits there. The only people who are spending, who are you know stimulating anything, is the federal government based on debt. So, so where is this growth going to come from? Well, that's, see, that's exactly the kind of wrong stimulus because they have to print the money, create the money to do it, or else tax the money away from the last remaining people that are still working. So I think we've, we're, we're building in a lot of distortions, and, and that our that our economy could grow more strongly if we had the right incentives for small businesses to create jobs. They're the ones that create jobs instead of putting burdens on them to pay for insurance or other mandates um, that are costly to small business. It, I'm not so worried about large companies as I am about the entrepreneurs that have traditionally created the jobs that that made America grow. So I just think giving away tax dollars or newly printed dollars to people who just to get things going again, sort of prime the pump, is not a sensible way to get an economy to grow. And only a growing economy can bring in the kind of tax revenues that allow us to help people who really do need help. And there are plenty of them that do need our help. I'm not saying that. Some would say that the health care bill is going to put a lot of tax on small businesses, particularly require mandate employee coverage and Really yeah, you know, it's hard burden. to understand, Jordan. I don't know where you live, but if you have mandated um, uh, drivers, auto, automobile insurance, you still have to have a kind of, you know, no-fault auto insurance because you have to pay yourself because the other person isn't getting insurance. And, and that's what's crowding our hospital emergency rooms today. They can't yep. turn away people without insurance. Our health care system is a mess. I'd be, you know, I sit on a giant hospital board in Chicago, and the busiest, least organized, toughest department of all is the ER because people who have no health insurance for preventive care crowd the ER when they get sick, but that, it's not really an emergency, but it's the only place they can see a doctor. Yeah. Uh, another area is financial regulation. They're talking about massive regulation of the financial industry to prevent anything like this uh, credit crisis from happening again. Do you think that will be successful? Very much locking the barn door after the horse is out. You know, you, if you take a step back and look at the perspective, we had all these regulations in place. Left over from the 1930s, Glass-Steagall, which separated the banks, investment banks from deposit banks and so forth. We systematically broke down those regulations, the prohibition against short selling, and all of those regulations that were in place were broken down, and now government's making a big deal. We're going to regulate again. We've got it fixed this time. Look, we had the regulations. 
They let the regulations be torn down. Government regulations are typically counterproductive, and they always apply them too late. I mean, where were the regulators anyway? Where was the SEC under Madoff? Do you think a Madoff will ever happen again or anything like that? Sure, and next time around, maybe not 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it'll happen bigger. <laughs> That's human nature. There's larceny in some people's hearts. And there, you know, it was P.T. Barnum who said there's a sucker born every day and two born to fleece him. <laughs> very good. That's why we have to be very, very careful about our money. Indeed. Well, thanks so much. It's been a delight. Uh, Terry Savage's new book, again, is called The New Savage Number, How Much Money Do You Really Need to Retire? Uh, you can also find out about more her at her website, terrysavage.com. Thanks for being on the show, Terry. Thanks, Jordan. And thank you, audience. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.